everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk Markets. I'm your host, Pink, here with my co-host, Dave Lauer. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, Pink. How are you doing? Doing good. So last week, Robinhood announced that the app-based brokerage will now be providing customers with access to 24-hour trading. While more established online brokerages like TD Ameritrade and E-Trade allow some form of 24-hour trading in select ETFs, Robinhood will likely be the first to do so on individual stocks. And a quick tip for safe interwebbing, if it sounds if it sounds questionable, it probably is. And more precisely, if it sounds too good to be true and Robinhood's involved, it probably is. That's right. <laughs> Before we give you the capsule history on why you shouldn't trust Robinhood, let's take one big step backwards. 24-hour trading. Let's examine this idea just for a second, Dave. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about first, like, uh, you know, when can you trade? Um, so this can be actually kind of confusing to some people. Um, so let's start with something. Markets open and markets close, right? So that's on exchange. They open a stock, get an opening print. And then at the end of the day, you close the stock, get a closing print. And that's from 9.30 a.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. Eastern. Those are called regular trading hours. Those are U.S. trading hours. Um, now, other markets around the world they have different trading hours. In fact, in Japan, they only trade five hours a day, I think. You know, really? It's been a while, but yeah, I think it's five hours a day. They take like a two-hour break for lunch. It's a very civilized place. And guess what? Liquidity in Japanese markets is superior to that in U.S. markets. And wow. a lot of people think, and I completely agree, that that is a major reason why. Because when you have less time to trade, you concentrate liquidity, you concentrate trading, right? And you, markets are more liquid when there's less time. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are actually arguing for fewer trading hours in U.S. markets, um, while others are saying we should have 24-hour trading. And now in crypto, you have 24-hour trading, sure. Um, I would not say the crypto market structure is the market structure that we want to aspire to. Um, if we're not yet, trying to figure out some work to do. <laughs> what should the best markets look like, right? So um, now, okay, we regular trading hours, RTH is a, a very standard acronym in markets, regular trading hours, 9.30 a.m., 4 p.m. Eastern. Now, you might say, well, wait, but Dave, come on, I can, I can trade outside of that. I, I pull up my phone, you know, I use a, a brokerage app and I can trade at 8 a.m. or at 5 p.m. And so those are called after hours trading sessions. And of course, that's the thing. Um, in fact, uh, some exchanges open, I believe, around 4 a.m. Uh, Eastern, and professional traders who have direct access to those exchanges, they can post orders. They can see orders and hit them and, and take liquidity, no problem. Um, and I often, uh, when I was trading, traded, uh, in fact, I used to trade um, the, the closing or the opening auction and the closing auction. So I would trade in the two minutes in before the market opened. Um, very fast, <laughs> lot large trades, um, and then I would trade in the ten minutes before markets closed, and then if they closed and I still had some risk on, we would be in the after-hours session trying to offload that risk. So you know, after-hours trading, totally a thing for professionals generally, um, and something that I would urge you never to do. <laughs> um, it, what you need to understand uh, is that during regular trading hours. From 9.30 to 4 p.m., you have something special, and that's called the NBBO, the National Best Bid and Offer. These are the best prices across the market. 
the lowest offer to sell on any exchange, the highest offer to buy on any exchange. That's your best bid to buy, your best offer to sell. And that is that protects you through something called, literally, <laughs> the order protection rule. Um, and the order protection rule says that you cannot execute an order outside of the NBBO, generally speaking. There are ways to get around that. There are exceptions that are needed and, and help markets function. But generally speaking, you don't, get, you don't execute outside of the NBBO. That is your backstop when you send an order to the market. So you send an order, a market order to buy something, you generally, unless you're in the midst of a flash crash, which you know, that's, that's happened, generally, uh, you will not get a crazy price, you'll get the best offer. Um, and that's, that's really important. And it is, unfortunately, I've said this before to the SEC, it's unfortunate that that is essentially what best execution boils down to today in US markets. Yeah. But at least it's something better right. than nothing. Because in the after hour sessions, you have nothing. Right. And there as a retail investor, that's that's your only guarantee to get a, a I don't know about well-regulated, but a regulated trade that you're guaranteed to get that best price. And it's sort of like all the gloves are off in those after hours. In the after hours trading sessions, there is very little liquidity. There are very little opportunities to get a decent price. And you put a market order. Most most brokers, in fact, won't let you do that, which is good. They should not. No broker should let you do that. Um, and I assume I, I haven't looked, I guess, deeply enough at what Robinhood's doing. I assume they will only accept limit orders. Limit order has a price. You have to be very careful how you set that price. But the thing is, if you set a limit price during regular trading hours that's through the NBBO, you're going to get the NBBO. You're going to get the better price. Um, you do that in the after hour session or when there are no markets open and you know <laughs> good luck <laughs> i hope you i hope you have a religion that you believe in because you're <laughs> going to need it <laughs> i mean it's like buying from a, a you know a certified retailer versus buying in an alleyway that's what it feels like you know yeah yeah and you know i think i think we can talk a bit deeper about what they're doing how they're doing it why you should be wary of it but you know, it's probably good to take a step back. Uh, most people probably know who Robinhood is, but maybe not everybody. So in 2015, Robinhood markets burst into the trading scene with a commission-free stock trading mobile app aimed at individual investors. Formed by high-frequency trade players Vladimir Tenev and Baiju Bot, I hope I didn't totally butcher that, uh, the financial services group claimed its goal was to level the playing field and to ultimately make the world of trading widely accessible to non-institutional investors or everyday retail investors. They spent the next five years convincing users of this ambition. And as of 2022, more than 15.9 million active monthly users share more than 22 million funded accounts. The vast majority of users fall into the millennial bracket, including Tenev, who is the firm's sole CEO today. Yeah, and we'll talk in a minute about how accurate those claims were and how many tens of millions of dollars Robinhood has been fined over time uh, for misrepresenting their business and their business model and those claims. But before that, you know, I think most of our uh, listeners probably, you know, maybe started out as Robinhood users. I think a lot of people did up until January 2021. And then yeah. they found out that, uh, you know, Robinhood... Uh, wasn't all it's cracked up to be 
wasn't a firm to be trusted, and they've probably seen lots of technology problems up until then because Robinhood has been fined and is just recently settled a $20 million class action lawsuit uh, because of how many technology problems they've had uh, and the problems that they've had in providing access when markets are at their most volatile, which is when you most need access to markets. Um, but in January 2021, uh, I think that was kind of a seminal moment uh, in the retail investing community uh, when GameStop went from being, you know, a, a retail outlet for video games to a symbol of all that's wrong in markets and a, a beacon for the resistance, as it were. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, this was a time where Reddit was organizing, understanding and found, you know, what is this crazy thing? 140% uh, short interest on GameStop. Like, how is that possible? Can we squeeze the hedgies, right? Yeah. And they Shout did. out to Roaring Kitty. He started it all. So. <laughs> they did, right? And so, you know, as, as the stock is shooting up in price and GameStop, you know, on, on, on January 28th, GameStop's price hits like $500 a share and suddenly Robinhood cut it off, right? And there were a couple other brokers that did as well. Um, but Robinhood was the one who said, we're here to democratize access to the markets. We're here to give you what the institutions have. And unless, you know, those institutions don't like it or we are undercapitalized, don't have enough money to put up margin, and then we're going to stop you from trading. Um, and, you know, I think, I think a lot of people learned a lot about markets on those couple of days. There was a huge shift. There was a paradigm shift within the entire investor realm when that happened because it became part of mainstream conversation when that happened. This this sort of sub-community that had been discussing this since, I mean, I remember seeing posts in like November of 2020, I think, where they were talking about GameStop's short interest. I think that's probably when Roaring Kitty started posting his videos. Um, but it went from this, you know, sub sub thing to a mainstream issue and normal people started buying in and then were kind of ripped off. I mean, I've known a lot of non-investors that got involved in that time and um, are now part of what the class action lawsuit that I believe is still going. So yeah. Yeah, uh, as a result of all that. So. Yeah. And um, so, you know, let's look at Robin hood. <laughs> let's look <laughs> at Robin hood and uh, their rap sheet uh, in December, 2020, the SEC fined Robinhood $65 million, failing to protect customers, misrepresenting their business model and how they made money to their users, and failure to achieve best execution. So they were accepting so much money in payment for order flow that they were getting inferior prices for their customers. Because that's not their main rev you know, revenue. Yeah, yeah. Then, June 2021, FINRA finds Robinhood $70 million for outages, technology outages, um, as well as misleading customers, approving customers to trade options who shouldn't have been, misleading them about margin trading. Um, you know, it, it goes on and on. So this, this was sort of, um, those two actions were the impetus for me, actually, to wonder quite vocally and publicly, and uh, in fact, to FINRA, uh, directly, what does it take for a brokerage to lose their license to operate? Right. right. Like Robinhood seems to have tried to do everything possible 
to be pushed out of business by the regulators. And yet it's a fine moving on. Um, yeah. And you'd think, you know, the monetary issues are bad enough, right? And then July, 2021, they settle out of court with the family of Alex Kearns, a 20 year old college student who killed himself because of a technology glitch in his Robinhood account. Yeah. And he couldn't get Robinhood's customer support on the line in order to figure it out. Yeah, that's unacceptable. I mean, and Robinhood is still in business. Yeah. It's still operating. August 2022, New York Department, New York State Department of Financial Services, $30 million for violating anti money laundering and cybersecurity rules. $30 million for money laundering. Then August 2022, you got a class action lawsuit from investors for the trading halts that is going on. September 2022, they settled a $20 million class action lawsuit for cybersecurity and technology failures. And that's separate from a November 2021 data breach that leaked the personal details of more than 7 million of their customers. That's the subject of another class action lawsuit. So this is the company that people are going to be like, you know, I can trust them with my Absolutely. orders when there's not even a market. I'm sure they're going to take care of I'm me. I'm sure they're going to come back with what I paid them to come back with. Right. But I mean, that's we're in the hundreds of millions, at least a hundred something million. And just the fines that you just listed yeah. over the last I'm sure know, I've missed couple plenty. of years. I, I got to pull up their broker check file. We could really take a, an extensive look, but this, these seemed like the ones worth talking about. But that just really puts a fine point on how profitable payment for order flow is for them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that just can't be stressed enough that even as an individual investor on their app, you know, we are not the product. We're not their, uh, we're not their revenue. Like I was saying earlier, it's not our we trading. It's not, it's not what we're, we're not doing. Customer, right? right. The yeah. customer is someone that pays a business for goods and services, right? It's really straightforward. Right. That's the definition of a customer. I don't even have to pull out my Merriam-Webster dictionary. And I know that <laughs> one. Off the top of my head. And, and so who pays them for goods and services? That's Citadel, right. two, Jane Street. The market makers, the wholesalers, are the ones paying Robinhood. What are you? You're just the reason that they're paying for it. They're paying for access right. to you because they want to take the other side of your trades. Absolutely. And that, you know, in an age of transparency, that's not something that I, I don't think it fits into a market. And that's where, you know, we, the investors comes in. We've talked a lot about payment for order flow and how, you know, Ken Griffin and Citadel are the largest customer as far as the PFOF with Robin Hood. So there's a lot of names there that a lot of you may be familiar with as being, um, not the knight in shining armors of this whole story over the last few years. That's right. Yeah. So um, looking back at the congressional hearing too, there were a lot of really good Vlad Tenev memes um, during the GameStop <laughs> congressional hearing in February, 2021. Um, there's even, I, I don't want to interrupt, you know, what we're doing, but I definitely want to shout out to the uh, Mulligan brothers. They just released their documentary on this, the apes together, strong doc. And they do cover a lot more detail on, um, Robin Hood and what happened with everything since January 2021. So just wanted to give that a quick shout out. For sure. Uh, Make sure yeah. to see that. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm the highlight of the documentary, <laughs> but you know, I I was in my cardigan, and You're I was in your best cardigan. My best cardigan. 
Yeah, I think it's through uh, Amazon Prime right now. Is that right? I think that's how we are yeah, are right. seeing it currently. But you know, support small filmmakers. Yeah, and I assure um, you, I was not this blurry. If you're listening on audio, I don't know, my, the focus on my webcam just went out, so I'm blurry. So you know, they okay. knew what they were doing. When they, they did. Me, I so. think they have a nicer, nicer than a Logitech. You know. <laughs> 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 okay. So. All right, back to getting ripped off. So yeah, 24-hour uh, trading. Let's let's talk about how that works. Um, what they have done is they have teamed up with this uh, alternative trading system called Blue Ocean. Blue Ocean ATS, which is uh, called Boats for short, and that's a dark pool. Um, now, it's a dark pool. But it's an interesting model. I'll give them that. So they, they have a market data feed. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me, especially for these purposes. Um, if you are a trading firm and you want to take the other side of a 24-hour order, which you definitely do if you are a trading firm, um, you need to know that that order is out there. And um, so what this ATS does is it only operates from 8 p.m. Eastern to 4 a.m. Eastern. Um, and that's because at 4 a.m., at least, again, I haven't looked at the opening hours of exchanges in a while, but I'm pretty sure ARCA opens at 4 a.m. Um, that's what they used to. And so, uh, you know, as long as there's an exchange to trade at, they're going to say, go ahead and go trade at that. But um, when there's not, from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., you can use boats. Um, now, <laughs> this is a dark pool. It does broadcast uh, market data to to the members of the dark pool, not not uh, to the public feeds yet, because uh, there are no public feeds from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., um, and that's why you have no MBBO, you have no public feeds. Uh, so you send an order to Robinhood, it will get sent to this dark pool, the people on the dark pool will get a message saying, here's an order uh, in case you want to trade against it. Um, and they will decide if they want to do that. Now, this is uh, ironic. It's funny. I didn't even think about this. But as I explain it, um, it is nearly the same thing as the retail auction facilities that have been proposed in, these, in the order competition rule, these new SEC rule proposals we've talked about many times. Uh, there's no auction, there's no price improvement mechanism, of course. Um, but this very much is a, here's an order broadcasted out to a group of firms, and any of them can jump in to take it. Now, these firms are, in fact, the exact ones saying, you can't do that in the public <laughs> markets. Right. You can't do that if it's a public auction, because, and they, they specifically say, because if you do that and there's no best execution requirement, those orders will get front run. But of yeah. course, here it's fine. Don't, right. don't look over here. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> After hours, don't worry about that. But over, yeah. over here, don't do that because we'll lose money if you do that. So don't do that. We'll make money if you do this. So let's do this. But Which kind of really sums up dark pools, doesn't market, it? We swear. Yeah. I mean, dark pools, that, that sums it up really well. That's kind of how they operate. Whereas, you know, you have a, a nice, clear, translucent pool. Maybe not as transparent as you want it to be, but... Pretty nice clean pool here between trading hours and then dark pools, right. they still exist. But once you get into after hours and into this 24-hour trading, all you have are these dark pools to operate in. And maybe you can Make kind of... even darker. 
<laughs> Honestly, we're getting like dark pools after dark. <laughs> That's our new podcast. That'll be our <laughs> that'll be our uncensored one, our, <laughs> where we really get to tell them what we think. But. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, when you were describing boats, I'm getting like full on Silk Road vibes. Like if you know, you know, like that's, that's what it just seems like the absolute darkest alley that you could obtain. Yeah. So sorry. Like, I, I know I'm throwing, I, I sometimes throw terms around um, without thinking. So dark pool is, it's a place where trades can be executed, uh, but it's not a stock exchange. And it usually has no pre-trade price transparency. Um, now in the case of boats, there is some pre-trade price transfer, as in pre-trade means that someone has put an order into the market and the market knows about that order before it executes. That's pre-trade. Then once the trade happens, trade gets printed to the tape, that's post-trade price transparency. So dark pools print their trades to the public tape. They have post-trade price transparency, but they have no pre-trade. They don't usually broadcast out the orders. It's often run um, by large institutional brokers, these dark pools, and um, it's mostly just for institutional investors. This is different from off-exchange trading and internalization by the wholesalers. So generally when Robinhood is executing trades, they're doing so through wholesalers off-exchange. That's different from a dark pool. It's important to understand that there are legal regulatory differences here. Same thing though, those trades get printed to the public tape. Um, but you know, when we're talking about 24 hour trading from 8 PM to 4 AM, we're talking about a dark pool. Yeah. The darkest. Now, um, sure. Boats is interesting. They, the model is interesting when, um, I, I believe at, uh, 8 15 AM, they print all the trades to the tape. So all of the trades that happen will get printed. Um, it sounds like it could be a little weird because those trades are going to print and they're probably outside of the MBBO, especially at that point. Um, and so, you know, they probably get printed as, um, I, I'm not sure what the code, how they're going to code it. It's probably like a late report or something. Uh, most sites aren't going to incorporate that those trades into their metrics because you usually ignore those kinds of prints that, that execute outside of the MBBO. Um, Let's see, how are they going to protect you? Boats employs a 15% price band. If orders entered into the ATS prior to the beginning of trading and at the opener price more than 15% away from the reference price, they're going to reject the order. So there is um, some degree of protection. But That's the a reference, big margin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a big margin. This is what we're talking about when you're talking about trading outside of regular market hours. you got to yeah. be... You shouldn't do it. Like, they, they, yeah. It's very simple. Don't do it. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I can tell you, protect yourself. I can tell you, set a good limit price, do this, do that. Just, there's, there's no need for it. I, right. I what the point is. Um, right. Now, they have a, a clearly erroneous policy um, that if it's outside of the reference price during trading by 6% uh, for stocks price greater than $50 or 10% for stocks price greater than $25, um, and up 20% for stocks greater than zero and up to 25, then you can declare a trade clearly erroneous. Um, but the reference price is the previous trade on Blue Ocean ATS. So <laughs> good, good luck. What a good loophole. <laughs> anchoring yourself to that reference price. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is an interesting model, um, but it's personally, at least not something I would ever do. Um, right. And, you know, so I think 
you know, caveat emptor on this one, most certainly, buyer beware. Right. It's the whole it's it's the whole aspect of trading individual stocks. It's not like, you know, like we said earlier, that there are established brokerages, competitors that allow 24 hour trading on select ETFs. But with Robinhood making this promise to gear towards individual stocks, um, and obviously the demographic runs young anyway, like we mentioned earlier, it's m mostly millennials and younger that use Robinhood to trade. So it's really targeting a somewhat mostly economically vulnerable group. So it's, it's hard to tell with this, whether it's, um, we have a new guest host, by the way. Oh, do we? He literally jumped <laughs> up on the desk and came over. <laughs> the corgi puppies are going to get this jealous. Is, this is mutt. Uh, if you're on audio, you're not seeing my dog on my desk, but. And mutt, I feel bad for you because he's handsome and he looks soft. Oh, he's the sweetest. Oh, <laughs> he's got a fat belly too. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that's just, it's kind of interesting to think, is this regulation, is this just something that regulation hasn't caught up with? Is this, it's sort of like when crypto was all the rave several years back, it's hard to tell if this is the wave of the future or if this is maybe something a bit more egregious that just needs more regulation. So it's interesting to see these kind of things play out. Yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, some exchange filed a Form 1 for 24-hour trading. So Form 1 is an application, uh, yeah, here we, an application to become an exchange. So there's something called the 24-hour exchange. Um, and let's see, they applied, um, and I... To my knowledge, they have not been approved. Um, and, you know, so that's, you know, that should tell you right now how the SEC feels. Now, maybe right. they will be approved. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what the status is. This was uh, just about a year ago. That's a long time, but that's, you know, it can happen. Um, but, but at no. the very least, hopefully the SEC at least acknowledges that we've got to clean up our house during the daytime first before we even get into this 24-hour trading. Well, I got to pull up this. I think Robinhood tweeted something just like a week ago yeah. that said, we're currently experiencing a system issue that may affect the display of your portfolio value. We're working on a solution. Yeah. So totally unrelated, but they can't even not mess it up during daytime hours. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you hand us your money and we'll, totally. we promise we'll be back with the thing. We totally said we trust them overnight. You can, yeah, you can absolutely yeah. trust them. Yeah. So bursting with confidence here with these guys. <laughs> But anyway, we are just about out of time today. Uh, we do want to let you know that as we promised last week, We the Investors has been busy at work preparing a public response to virtue circulation of false information, uh, including an egregiously misinformed, we're just going to call it what it is, it's a disinfographic that they're circulating um, among legislators and otherwise. So We've, got, we've got our first... Um, our first doc finished on that, and we're going to make sure that those same, um, you know, the same members of Congress that have seen what Virtu has seen, see the, you know, through this good information, we're going to post it publicly, uh, and you know, we are working on a comment letter um, to to sort of, you know, state 
everything that's going on, show the support, show that there is industry consensus on these rule proposals. It's exciting to see, in fact, as you, as you dive real, really deep into the comment files, you really do see an emerging consensus from the industry, and it's great to see it. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming months. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and, and we'll just definitely once talk again. about it next week. Yeah. Yep. Got to stay, got to stay plugged in, stay tuned. Um, I'm, this is why I'm so passionate about what we, the investors is all about. Um, and just Irvin's overall mission and is providing transparency and education. And I, I think we should close today with a roaring kitty quote that couldn't be more up to what we're, what we're doing right now. He said, increased transparency could help that someone like me could have a better understanding of how these things work. It would help retail investors. So a little bit of paraphrasing there, but absolutely vital to making this whole market more understandable and more, um, attainable for everyday investors and more transparent. So thank you for what you're doing, Dave. Thank you for the We The Investors team. Um, I'm sound like I'm accepting an Emmy for everyone or something, but you guys <laughs> just deserve so much praise for, uh, you know, pulling out the seat at the table and saying, no, retail sits here. So, so big shout out. Thanks everybody for joining us today for Let's Talk Markets. We will publish every Tuesday afternoon, so be sure to stay tuned and we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.